Hello, gamers! Welcome to Games and Feelings, an advice show about playing games, being human, and dealing with the fact that those games involve other humans. I am your host and question keeper, Eric Silver, and if I could invent any special branded Monopoly, I would choose Monopoly Sandwich Edition, because if anyone asks if hot dogs are sandwiches, I can throw them straight in jail. I'm going to go with a uh, Hunter x Hunter theme Monopoly game. Uh, that would be ideal for me. Uh, all the spaces would have Nen words on them. That'd be fine. I'm Joe, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm an anime sicko. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a guest on this show. Uh, very happy to be here. There's another guy uh, from this same show. Yeah, I'm, I'm the extra, 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 what? Other anime sicko. <laughs> There's two. Uh, I'm Tom. I would do uh, a a Clue Monopoly where all the spaces are different branded versions of Clue. That's good. Uh, and the 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 shitty avenues, like the purple ones, would be like very stupid Clue rebrands, like Fortnite Clue, or possibly the fucking Maze Runner Clue. Uh, and then you would have like Columbo Clue, which I don't think exists, but it really should on uh boardwalk that's what i'm thinking no i like that can all the different railroads be the different endings of the clue movie no how dare you that's a terror no yes of course <laughs> oh no i forgot i came up with a good idea fuck no this is supposed to be stupid um <laughs> listen we've done so nine episodes of this so far and i have Try to explain how to do the beginnings uh, as I've introduced it. And I also said, hey, we're going to have Tom do this first and then Joe. But then, Joe, you came in so spectacularly like the Kool-Aid man and just did whatever the fuck you wanted. And I appreciate that. I was doing the millennial pause where I wasn't sure if it was my turn yet. And I was like, I need to make sure it's definitely like it definitely got thrown to me. And then Joe, uh, hey guys, I'm gonna start talking now. That's really cool. Oh man, so happy to be here. <laughs> we like talking, folks. The thing about podcasting, and they don't tell you this in uh, in podcasting class at school, is that it's just talking, and you can just do that. Like that's not hard to do. Uh, the worst thing that I've discovered now, first, I just learned what the millennial pause was like ten minutes ago. <laughs> Uh, which is the te the pause that you have to make sure that like your technology working is working that apparently young people don't do because they have confidence in technology, which is baffling mm, to me. No. See, that's so dumb. I mean, if you, I've, it feels like if you've been living your whole life with technology, you should know more acutely than anyone how fucking bad it is. How have you not been portrayed by a computer, like even in a short life? Right. Like... Are there not enough situations where the essay you had to send in to your middle school teacher or your high school teacher like got corrupted? Or are we so past the point where that's just the truth and where you the only time things get corrupted is when you send in a fake corrupted file because you need 24 more hours to write the essay? Amazing. Like have we come all the way around that that the only time things do fuck up is when you're lying about it? No, things fuck up all the time. Uh, <laughs> nothing has ever worked. It's constantly happening to me. Uh, I will say, okay, I don't know if this is a millennial pause thing. But I don't know if someone has a term for this. I need to know the term for this, which is in a video, a front-facing video, when it's not, mm. I think maybe this is not a thing anymore because people are using phones, but it used to be that like people would do a little video and then they would get to like the end of their script and their face would like go blank and you would see them like go to push the stop recording oh, button. Yeah. And it's just like, cut, <laughs> cut that part out 
I don't want to see your face turn off from performing mode. Got to see the death mask every time. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the opposite of the millennial pause because the millennial pause is in the beginning. So this is at the end. This is the millennial death. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, and now that we all just know how to edit video, I don't know if we have it anymore. Um, TikTok still scares me. I'm like, I should not have the power of an of iMovie on my phone. That was the whole point of having iMovie was that I could just fuck around with it whenever I wanted. I firmly believe posts should only be words or images. I think I think videos are cheating. Uh, like I know you can like s- scroll through your feed in TikTok and it's just like one video after another. And that's I don't know. I think that's sacrilegious, frankly. <laughs> also, I mean, it feels like one of the biggest sort of cultural uh, unifiers that we have left is the feeling of like I can't figure out what to watch and. YouTube, as awful as it is, still has that. You still are looking at your front page like, nothing's good. No one uploaded anything good. What am I going to watch? I guess nothing. And it's like, that's something that everyone from all age groups is is, is experiencing. But TikTok is trying to demolish this and further atomize us. Uh, I don't want to say it's a Chinese plot, so I won't. Good. I'm glad that Tom didn't say that. That's for the best that Tom didn't say that. Yeah, because it's wrong. It's clearly not that. So I, which is why I don't want to say it. We're all unified by the five seconds we have after a YouTube video is finished before it goes to what the algorithm assumes it is, which is one, a compilation of Family Guy one-liners, and two, like this the worst far-right propaganda ever ever delivered onto a video. It's like, no, I don't want that. No, stop. No, stop. Well, one of my greatest <laughs> achievements is... I have been so judicious with the don't show me this button that YouTube for years now has not shown me a single piece of Nazi propaganda. That's really, that's very, very impressive. Because it's usually um, like right after one Minecraft video. Yeah. It's like, you know who invented Minecraft? <laughs> a Nazi. <laughs> uh, it, it's so messed up. The first thing I was going to say is Jesus. And then you get Jesus. <laughs> so you either get Nazi propaganda or you get Jesus propaganda, which are, honestly is all the same. Yeah. Th- yeah. Hey, this is Games of Feelings and we're going to give you advice, I swear. But we have Tom and Joe of the Anime Sickos where we're exploring w- some of their expertise and we're going to be exploring the gaming and posting expertise later. Um, honestly, if you're not listening to Anime Sickos, I'm not sure how you keep all of the thoughts you have about being alive in 2022 in your head without someone else to talk to about it, which I really appreciate uh, from your show. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy to have both of you come on and give cogent, real good advice for regular people oh, man. Uh, as uh, talking about games. I'm really happy you all are here. I mean, we'll try we'll do our best. Usually when people <laughs> say, uh, I love your show, we have to be like, yeah, we're real dumb. The value add of anime sigas, the putting it into your life. And I, I, I this part I do mean sincerely, uh, is that like a lot of people don't understand that like being dumb and whining really fucking like it's so good. Like <laughs> so many people don't think that they're allowed to be dumb and whine. And it's like, no, 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 no. Please be dumb and whine. It helps your brain so much. We have been brainwashed at a very young age that being dumb and whining are like two unenviable traits when obviously they're very great. Yeah. It's like making your brain take a shit. It's like you, if you, if you hold it in, you're going to get sick. <laughs>
Jesus fucking Christ. Oh my God. Um, so I guess one of the things that y'all haven't touched on, first of all, Anime Sickos is a show about four things and only one of which is anime. Um, and one thing y'all cover is posting and the various things that are on the internet. Have you dove into advice columns in general? Like, do you see people who give advice like the dear prudences and uh, of the world? Uh, or is that outside of your of your regular purviews? Yeah, because got- I think honestly, I think being a big fucking stupid idiot means you're good at giving advice. And if you think you're smart at it, there's actually you have a massive blind spot and you're going to like give the worst advice to someone who need, who definitely needs it. You are right on with that assessment, I think. And that's I think that goes for anything. If someone thinks they're smart, they're, anything they say is going to be Malcolm. If, you, if someone thinks they're smart, they're Malcolm Gladwell. They don't have to be literally oh him, but they are him in in every way that matters. So who cares? That's a very good point. But yeah, to answer your question, no, we've not looked at advice columns, but uh, we are always looking for fucking things to do episodes about, so we don't have to think them up ourselves. So uh, thank you. We should you just for do that. advice columns. I mean, we. Yes. I would love to see both of you just open up Slate and being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what, how is how is this like the one table leg propping up the entire website that is Slate? <laughs> oh, shit. Now I really want to look. I mean, and every once in a while, like a really bad advice column will go big right. and I'll be like, that's dumb. But you tell me that they're being this dumb, like... Like they're clocking in every day and like time to be dumb because that's pretty good. Yes, 100%. There are so much. I will share with you the deep depths of advice columns. And like, again, as I said before, thinking, (laughs) knowing that you're a big dumb idiot and just trying to help others, I think is the best person to do advice. And that's why uh, we're here on Games and Feelings, just talking about games and not like your relationship Mm -hmm. with your parents because the answer is talk to a therapist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask me. Talk to a therapist. All right. Well, before we get to uh, giving actual advice, we're going to do our first segment, which is uh, games that give me feelings, uh, which is where we share a recommendation for a game or of any sort as we cover on games and feelings, video games, tabletop games, board games, laser tag, capture the flag, any games that we're dealing with and a recommendation, something that's making us happy. Um, It doesn't have to be contemporary. You just need to say the game that you're enjoying and talk about it and then what feeling it's giving you. Yeah, I've been playing, and this is something that if you listen to any of the fucking podcast guest appearances I've done lately, you will have heard most of the same thing, because I've been playing this game for a couple of weeks now. Dragon Quest VI, baby, on my DS. And would you believe, this is gonna, this is gonna shock you, would you believe that much like Dragon Quests 1 through 5, it's about a fucking Gohan going around <laughs> and defeating slimes and uh, learning Kassizzle. It, they they did it for a sixth time, folks. A lot of people will criticize a game series by saying it's the same game over and over again. And a lot of these people will, at this very in the very same breath, without seeing the contradiction, be like, it's, it's so annoying that Nintendo won't make another F-Zero game just because they can't think up a new innovation to add to the formula. They should just make a new one anyway. Well, okay, those, those don't shell, but... The, the correct opinion is make the same game a billion times if it's good, which Dragon Quest is. Dragon Quest, uh, it feels like a like a lovely dessert. It feels like a rice pudding, which is like it's never going to be 
the flashiest game, but it's always going to be real nice. It won't make your tummy hurt. You can just have a little bit every once in a while. And the Dragon Quest games are never hard, but you know, there are some parts where it's a little, there's a little bit of a tension, but who cares? Like if you die, you know who killed you? A fucking like a rotund little monster man with two Toriyama horns. It's like, he's cute. He's a cute guy. That's what I've been playing. The thing, the thing about Dragon Quest VI specifically is that it reintroduces classes, and it's so much fun because I'm at the part of the game where all my party members have just or are just about to master their first prestige class, which means that like they are now reaching the absolute pinnacle of their strength, and they're mm-hmm. so effective at at the specific niche they're trying to fulfill. But then once they master it, I immediately go back to the place where you learn your classes and like all right now you you're gonna be a goof off now and you're gonna be a merchant (laughs) like you you need more skills we can't be complacent so you have to go back to the baby classes and that's very fun that's what i'm feeling right now i like the idea of that being rice pudding is like oh no there's a raisin here i guess i'm gonna have to deal with that and the fact that we're at the point in our lives where there's so much shit going on being like there's a raisin in rice in my rice pudding is a genuine hurdle i need to get over and like that's just the number of the amount of hurdles i can have for my video games right now mm-hmm. um and i appreciate that that's that's what you have on your little clamshell ds that you've been hoarding for the last 10 years <laughs> Joe, what have you been playing? I just got done playing a physical board game for the first time in a while. Hell yes. Uh, with Tom and two other friends. We played Terra Mystica, which is it's a game where you're a bunch, a bunch of fantasy races, and every fantasy race has a type of terrain they like. They're like, oh, I love mud. I love forest. And then the the game is basically you trying to bend the earth to your will so you have a hospital environment to have your cities and towns and every race plays slightly differently and it's it's a great game that takes too fucking long classic and when you're done you're like great uh i wonder when my interest in that game will uh, uh return because it is definitely gone for a very long time <laughs> no it isn't it's still there uh, <laughs> I, Joe and I have very different opinions about this kind of game. Uh, I could touch cubes every single day of my life. I wouldn't care. I would feel more happy every day. Terra, okay, it does take a very long time. I will say that about Terra Mystica, but it's like a weird sort of uh, paradox where like the game is six rounds, which is not a very long oh, amount no. of rounds. And you have at like most like five or six actions sure. per round. So you're not really doing that much, but it does take several fucking hours. And the last turn is... 90 hours it's like (laughs) half an hour for me personally i was going college mode because i that was a game i played a chili every board game i played a chillion times in college and then once i fucking stopped living in a big hovel with like four of my homies uh turns out did you know this? You can't play board games. It's not possible. <laughs> no, it's, it's absolutely really, really not. hard. That's why everyone over the age of 28 who likes board games has to like abscond to a cabin in the middle of the woods where they it's like undeveloped. No one has ever lived there. <laughs> Wi-Fi is just a myth that is much like the Baba Yaga. And like they, <laughs> and then you, you play board games there. Like that's it. Those are the only choices. We did get to play with purple bowls though so talk oh, about the purple bowls okay so yeah, that's the best part i have a magic system in terra mystica and it's the most satisfying mechanically 
magic system that I can think of. Like, so basically how it works is you got purple. Purple, as we know, is the most magical color. Oh, everyone, yeah, everyone knows mm-hmm. that. Right. So you have like these three purple bowls and how it works is you can spend the purple discs when they're in the third bowl to do mm-hmm. like spells or whatever. But you have like a cow's stomach for a brain. So you have to get your purple discs to that third chamber and and the way and you always move the lowest level disc when you get like a bump yeah and it is so fucking satisfying it's like my favorite thing i wanted to play as so every like race that has a terrain has like two versions like there's like two types of water people i was the ice maidens aka the white women and like (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it is i'm looking it up on board game geek right now and it is a european game so i assume that there was the uh anglo-saxon somewhere out there (laughs) the aryan race is a playable race in this game (laughs) no it was was a translation error because the german designer who doesn't speak english very well did a board game geek post where he's like hello everybody here is an update on the expansion here's a new race i'm designing called the white women and everyone had to be like no 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 you mean the ice women you mean the ice women uh so the the ice women are one side of the card and the other card are uh, yetis just yetis and yetis are really good at using their magical brain pan that's their (laughs) thing and like the whole time i was playing I i had a good time i came in second but like every time i moved one of those purple discs all i could think about like if i was a yeti this would be so much more fun (laughs) (laughs) dara mystica is also a great game because you can tell on the first round that you that you lost (laughs) and how do you how do i know that how do i know that that's true well when we were playing i was about to take my second turn and i was just sort of looked at the board and i looked at my specific board you know with all of my mm-hmm. specific stuff and then i looked at the main board and i looked down and i'm just like well i lost i fucked up i really chose poorly <laughs> and like i had fun moving cubes around i think that's the thing moving cubes around yeah. with your homies it don't even need to be a game i could just like sit down with my three homies and we like pour a bag of unrelated cubes <laughs> out on the table and like re- like now we're each gonna make a little pile and like that I could I, I could I could have a good time with that. Tom, every once in a while, you need to draw a card that says, oh, the environment's doing something. And it doesn't even have to do anything. I just need to know the environment is working without me. And I'm like, oh, I'm set. That's perfect, man. That's perfect. <laughs> Uh, that's That's very good Um, I'm also looking at this as the playing time is between 60 and 150 minutes which I now understand is because like it's like 30 minutes per player but I also like the idea that like everyone kind of looks down and mean like oh no Joe won I guess we're we're done playing that's why it only takes 60 minutes the reason the player who did win won because uh, they did an incredible thing which is uh, they actually utilized their faction's special ability Mm. The, th- the three of us did not because uh, we were too stupid to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. That's definitely fair. Um, I've been playing the new tracks that have come out for Mario Kart 8. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, this is like the second round of the new tracks. You like because everything has a goddamn battle pass. Apparently, so does Mario Kart 8, a game that has no relation to any of these other games. But here we are, just mm-hmm. a way to stave Mario Kart 9 away so that they can put it on the the. Switch which two, which I guess the, the Joy-Cons will attach to my brain. 
and they'll slot in and then I'll get stuck a little bit and then I'll be stuck in my beard and it'll be upsetting. But like I'm I'm enjoying the new tracks, but there are two things that are holding me back. One is the whole battle pass thing. And the second is that there are a bunch of tracks that are adapted for Mario Kart Tour, which is a free to play version of Mario Kart on phones, which is already weird knowing that like they they took something that was like intentionally shoved into a phone and then pulling it back out. But also it's real cities. So like what? one so one is like New York and one is Sydney that we just got. And like I live in New York City. So like I'm like driving through a Nintendo fied Central Park as Donkey Kong in an old school like BMW because that's the relationship they have with Nintendo that those are in the game as well. I can't remember if it's BMW or one of those other fancy car brands. It's Chrysler because they also make Escalade because you can put your Nintendo character in an Escalade. Yeah. Um, And I'm just like, I don't understand. I love it and I love playing Mario Kart and I have forever. But I'm like, is this everything is this every single thing? Yeah, everything is Fortnite now. Everything will yeah. be Fortnite. Uh, it's you put all your different slop in different shapes. In Mario Kart's case, it's the shape of a guy in a car. It's just such a big to betrayal. Driving sucks. Let's let's start with that, <laughs> folks. Driving sucks, especially driving in a city. Actually, driving anywhere sucks. Driving outside of a city fucking sucks. Fuck driving. Anyway, Mario Kart, the key to it being enjoyable is that it offers an alternative to this kind of driving that we couldn't actually experience in real life. And then they try to fucking make it more realistic and put it in a real city? No. It's 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 so confusing. And also, like, but those tracks are fun because they go in different directions. It's not like three laps of the same thing. Like, you take a right one time and then you take a left in the other time. So... The fact that, like, my brain is on is making me not enjoy Mario Kart, the simplest, purest thing that exists for people who had an N64 in the 90s. And I'm like, everything is bad. Everything is... I'm just waiting for Pickle Rick to show up. You know what I mean? And like that is the that's the ultimate thing. And I can't enjoy something I love, which I just like bash my head. Against. And also they still cheat. Everyone in Mar- all the AI still cheats in Mario Kart. It's not like that's fixed, you know? <laughs> so it's like this is still the problems of the beautiful thing that I had. And now like Pickle Rick is going to show up and hit me with a red shell at the end. And then I'll come in third. Here's another way that Mario Kart has begun to betray me. You know that guy on YouTube who does the the history of speedrunning for certain games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's cool as hell. It seems like a third of all of his videos now are like how people got the found the glitches in this Mario Kart game. And I tell you what, that was fun the first time. But like after I've watched like three hours of him explain, like they found that you could abuse the checkpoint system. And I'm like, okay, like before, and then there's a new video. He's like, yeah, in Mario Kart Double Dash, no one thought you could abuse the checkpoint system. But then <laughs> they found out how to abuse the checkpoint system. And here is how they did it for the next 20 tracks. And I'm like, oh, my God, something new, please. There, w- there was a point in my life where I never thought I would be criticizing this motherfucker's videos. Mm. And yet here I am now doing it. Yeah. Don't worry. I won't tell him. 
Uh, and Tom, <laughs> if you click to the next video, it's going to be Nazi Christian propaganda. Congratulations. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I've also spent so much time not being a car guy, so um, which is why I'm not playing Gran Turismo. I'm playing goddamn Mario Kart. So I had to look this up to make sure I had it correctly. The car was Mercedes-Benz because I could not remember anything about mm-hmm. anything. And the car I was driving is a W25 Silver Arrow, which was a racing car produced during the 1930s by Mercedes-Benz, which I was now playing. I had Donkey Kong, a big ape, shoved in it. And now I had to <laughs> say those words and be a car guy because Mario Kart forced me to do it because of Nintendo's relationship with Mercedes-Benz. And that's a weird place to be in. It sure is. Um, I do appreciate that I could not come up with the, with the company, and this is the third car company I had to throw out there. <laughs> um, all right. Y- y'all want to supposedly help some people with their games problems? Yeah. Why not? You always want to upgrade attack speed first. Like, attack <laughs> speed is definitely, like, the best thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's our show. Um, so, <laughs> thank you to everybody. You want to try to show your, your social media handles? Um, all right. This is perfect. I actually saved some questions that were very anime sickos. I had only alluded to this before, but, like, the four main things y'all talk about are, and I'm, I'm so afraid to say this back to you because I listened to the show. Do not be nervous. I'm very nervous about saying it. Our anime posting something and jobs gaming this one. gaming of this course one, the it's thing we're the here for. we're talking <laughs> the thing we're doing so i'm combining as many of these as possible for you guys so i have one question from frost who is she they and also uh if they don't come up with a, a very particularly like corny advice name like sleepless in seattle we are allowed to come up with names that will fit for them as we answer this question um, yes all right this is from frost for about two years i've been really into the playing card game magic the gathering or weren't we all congratulations frost you're part of the human race i've spent about twelve hundred dollars making decks buying cool cards and playing matches that feel like a new game every time however i'm growing tired of wizard of the coasts making these tiny pieces of cardboard cost so much money help me what are some other games I can play that will scratch the strategy deck building bug in my head and will feel like a match every time? By the way, I love the podcast so much. Thank you for helping me level up my feelings. Thank you so much, Frost. And this is from Replayability Really Helps My Life. Joe, I'm hearing a ch- uh, the chug-a-chug of a choo-choo train. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You should do sports betting. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. This episode is sponsored by DraftKings. Yeah, and Joe, uh, thank you for doing our first plug of the episode. Play Monster Train. It's I don't know what the maximum price is when it's on in sales. Just say twenty dollars. Considerably less. Uh, you do not get the satisfaction of physical magical cards, but those are I think actually a lie and like something that's going to lure you in into sort of a sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. Monster Train is it's like Magic the Gathering, but there's three floors and you're putting down guys so they don't reach the top of your train. Uh, this is a train that's driving through hell, which is our home. Yeah, which is a home. Yeah, it's it's like the meatloaf place. Yeah, the game begins with the cutscene that says "Hell, our home," and it's like, oh, okay, we live here. Um, but the the game's mechanics, what really makes the dopamine occur is that there are, I think now six factions um, and Magic the Gathering like has this thing where it's like, well, you spend all this money, why? Because you want to make a deck that like is very powerful and it synergizes with itself very much so. The most broken Magic deck does not come close to like 
how nutty this game wants you to be in terms of just like power scaling like the stuff the game wants you to do is just very like yeah please be broken it's very fun there's no human player on the other end of this they don't feel bad about it right yeah (laughs) like you you will get when you're starting out you'll get a deck where you're starting to see like exponential scaling and it's like oh shit like i'm like i'm throwing out thousands of damage on this floor this is like and the enemies have like a hundred health max so like thousands like oh my god like am i like did i like uncover like a glitch and you feel so badass and you feel like you've outsmarted the game and then when the difficulty counter ticks up eventually you start to understand like oh i need to have exponential scaling or i'll lose now like that's actually necessary i need to figure out how to do that reliably and the fucking thing about monster train is so fun so you got your six factions yeah but every run you actually have two factions you have you have to pick a main one and a sub faction and also the main faction comes with a champion who is like a super fucking guy like a really strong creature who you always have in your first hand and who always costs zero. There are three possible special effects that that uh, fucking guy can have. So, like, each champion is really three possible champions. Mm-hmm. And every one of the six factions actually has two champions. So that's more like six champions. And each champion completely rewrites the whole win condition of that faction. Uh, and also, one of the factions is Goopy Candleman. <laughs> yeah, it's they're really good. Like if you liked playing like Black Magic, where you're like always reviving guys, it's that. But imagine if the guys are candles, like they're made of wax. So as you continue to mush more guys together, they become bigger and bigger monstrosities. They're they're also dressed like Victorian people. <laughs> yeah, there's like a little Cockney. Uh, orphan and then there's like the big like fluffily dressed victorian lady and the card that makes it so that your candle guys don't burn down after a set number of turns is a picture of someone like cutting the top of their head off so they don't have a wick anymore Uh, and it's like yeah that's how you would do it wouldn't it yeah it has factions that are going to seem familiar in terms of like magic colors like the mechanics and whatnot i think it'll scratch the itch a little bit I don't know if you can ever really kick magic. Yeah. Because like, I haven't played in a long time, but sometimes I look at a card and I'm like, damn, I would, well, if I, how many mounds do I need? <laughs> um, and so with that being said, I think it'll distract you. Uh, I don't think it'll cure you permanently, unfortunately. Yeah, no. I, I'm thinking about, I had this similar itch before I was in like the worst, absolute worst job. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get into Hearthstone because like I played Magic the Gathering as a kid. And then I'm like, oh, well, it's all on my phone and on my computer. I can just do that. But like it just created the same problems I had, yeah. which is that yes. you have to buy everything. And you got to pour all this money into it and now it's even worse because at least you don't even get the cardboard you're it's just a bits and boops yeah. and that's nothing and it's owned by blizzard which is wild um i want to say just from the from the jump uh monster train video game strategy and deck building game with roguelike elements which i think will scratch that whole thing that you have and if you don't know what that means that's fine it just means you get, it has digital cards and you get to play it over and over and over lots again. of replayability yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and also so monster train is kind of like the game about getting nutty and and having huge numbers and also the graphics and music are really are pretty good mm-hmm. for what it is especially it's it's a lot prettier and more sumptuous than it needs to be for just a digital card game 
if you are a, a sort of ascetic, if you are like a, a, a follower of the Bushido code, then you gotta play Slay the Spire. We've talked about oh, this to death. Uh, Slay the Spire is like if you take Monster Train and you like sent it to like sit under a waterfall for like a hundred days <laughs> and it's like you don't eat you don't get to, you just meditate and you think about what it takes to be a tech building roguelike card game it would come out slay the spire it's like i've i've shed all of my features and i'm simply a blade now uh that's slay the spire it's much less it gives you a lot fewer tasty treats but uh, is is an incredible card game it's the thing that's the most card. I like what you said that. It's the distilled essence of card game. The only thing that is clo- as close to playing Magic the Gathering with your friend and it's 2004 and you only have some homework to do and nothing else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, but you're playing and it's like the weirdness of everything is there. I, I probably put like two, three hundred hours in the Slay the Spire. And just like it was on my and just on my switch light, just fucking going at it. Yeah, a hundred percent. The I think the thing that is closest to card because I don't even think we're going from like Hearthstone necessarily or like what's a game with a ton of replayability. We're literally going from Magic the Gathering. The oh, I look at all these monsters I have in my hands. Look mm-hmm. at these guys. I love being a wizard who who conjures monsters. Mm-hmm. I feel like Slay the Spire is the only thing that like scratches that really like I have weird shit in my hand that's going to do a thousand damage when I put it together in the right play in the right way and I think if you're into sort of the meta game of the deck building and like having I have to have these cards Slay the Spire does that a lot because especially if you if you listen to like high level players talk about it they're very clear like the game Mm-hmm. Is not when you're playing the cards. The game is choosing what card to put in the deck. Like that's right. like when they when you watch like a high level player play Slay the Spire, when they actually are playing the card game, it's like they're not even looking at the cards. They're just playing things like on muscle memory. And then when they get offered like a choice of what card to put in the deck, that's when they're like, all right. And they sit and they just like look for 20 minutes, totally silent thinking. Cause like that's the game. And if that sort of like high level strategy analysis is what you want, that's the, no game does it better. There is nothing that I love more than envisioning a guy sitting like his stream. He has his like fingers steepled and pressed against his lips. And he's just looking at a Slay the Spire screen for like 10 minutes while his chat is going nuts. Like on the side side, being like, yo, he's going to take the left one just for 10 minutes. I I would watch that over and over and over again. I swear to God, like when I was first starting to play and I was like, this is a good game, but I don't I'm not good at it yet. How do I get better? I, I looked up how you get better at Slay the Spire. And someone was like, you should watch this video for newbies. This is a guy playing high level. Watch what he does. And like when you play, you're very likely to on like the first like five or so rounds get a shop. Uh, mm-hmm. And he gets to the shop and no fucking joke. He's on the shop for like half an hour. And he says like, all right, folks, I al- as I always say, the card game isn't hard shops are hard and he's just like looking at every single thing like he opens up a spreadsheet that has like the relative <laughs> values of all the things of, of like aoe uh card draw scaling it's like what 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 do i have like what do i need more of and what would this card give me relative to the cost that it has in gold coins and it's like like this is how good you can get at it like you said you played it for two three hundred hours i probably played it for five hundred hours i yeah. know that i'm like not good at it 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and yet I also know that like I could be good at it. Like that's the thing is it takes a really well-designed game to be extremely bad at it, but understand what it means to be good at it. Because I'm bad at a lot of games and I'm just like, it's impossible to be good at this. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to play it again. Uh, yeah. See all fighting games, but fucking it's like a spire. I love it. I think I think those two choices are really going to help this person in terms of figuring out their card game stuff without putting it. The only thing you put in is time. That's the real currency when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, magic is both time and money. So I, you're saving 50% at least. <laughs> that's math, baby. Yeah, you don't even know, you need to bring up a spreadsheet. Joe just knew that. Yeah. Um, I think I just want to say one last thing about this, but like. I think this is a really good time for you to get out of Magic the Gathering as someone who loves or who got really into Dungeons and Dragons over the last few years and has just watched whatever the hell Wizard of the Coast is doing. Like, you want to get out before you need to spend actual money on, like, Fortnite cards. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like like I said, it's all just becoming Fortnite and you want to get out before you spend $200 on the necessary Pickle Rick card so that for you to have a viable red-black deck. You know what I mean? So, like, the, I think that this is a good... I'm glad you've recognized it, Frost, and that you're you're coming out of it and you're not going to put any more money into it. The, some of those cards are so goofy, man. They they drive me wild. There was, like, there's, like, a Street Fighter deck coming out. Like, the, the, the integrations like the of the Dungeon and Dragons ones with the dungeon cards where you got to go through the dungeon card. Are, there's, it's just silly. It's just like, hey, you like this? Let me shove it in your face, you idiot. You're going to give me money for they it. They did a... This Godzilla, right? Like Godzilla is magic. You, Joe, you could truly tell me anything is in is in Magic: The Gathering, and I would believe you. So I'm just like, yeah, for sure, a hundred percent. They put Naruto in magic. <laughs> they put Naruto in Fortnite. When I saw Naruto doing the dance, there was a fucking the emote of the person like doing basketball dribbling tricks, and they made mm-hmm. Sasuke do it. And I'm just like, Sasuke doesn't know about basketball. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sasuke doesn't know. Rock Lee does not know how to floss. Don't tell him that. Don't make him do that. Come on. Hey, it's Eric. I picked up some snacks for games and feelings. I got everyone bacon wrapped hot dogs. They are delicious. And they have it's extra meaty because it's two meats, but it's like all wrapped up and then you can put on whatever. I'm not even going to judge you of what you put on your hot dog. You just do you. It's fine. I think you should be a part of the Patreon for Games and Feelings at patreon.com slash gamesandfeelings. I'm recording this mid-roll ahead of time because it is the back end of August where everyone and their therapists are on vacation, so please continue to become new patrons and I promise I'm going to read your name. I hope you're all loving the DLC so you get twice as much podcast for only the price of a Starbucks seasonal drink a month. It's like an additional advice column, but it's also a show about Amanda and my experiences with work, relationships, money, all that good and gory stuff. You know how an advice column is supposed to be one thing, but really it's everything else. It's like that. And thank you to our producer-level patron, Polly Burridge, who reads the instructions of a new board game and knows exactly how to play immediately. You gotta check it out. Patreon.com slash games and feelings.
Once you're listening to every single episode of Games and Feelings multiple times, you should listen to the other shows that are part of the Multitude Collective. I think you'd like Next Stop. Next Stop is an audio sitcom. The show explores the turbulent time of your mid to late 20s when everyone is changing around you, but you worry you might not catch up. Across its 10-episode first season, Next Stop follows three roommates' trials through work, relationships, friendships, and more. We watch them grow together as a unit, no matter what life throws at them. For anyone who grew up watching classic sitcoms, there is nothing more comforting in times of stress and upheaval, which apparently is all the time. Though, Next Stop is solidly a 21st century sitcom that gives audience something to laugh about without punching down. Written and created by, let me, let me check this. Oh, by me, Eric Silver, directed and edited by Brandon Grugel, executive produced by Amanda McLaughlin, and casted and assisted directed by Julia Shafini. All your favorite folks worked on this. I think it's wonderful. And people are always finding the show, which makes me super happy. Season one is out now. Just search for Next Stop in your podcast app or go to Next stopshow.com. We are sponsored this week by the podcast First Encounter. First Encounter was born out of a 20-year-long best friendship between Haney and Chris. Haney did not play Chris's favorite game, Final Fantasy VII, for 20 years during their friendship, so Chris did the only natural thing and forced Haney to experience it on mic for the first time to share with folks who miss being able to experience their favorite games for the first time. Every season of First Encounter, one of them picks a beloved video game that the other hasn't played before. The host who has played the game guides the newcomer through their first journey. Season 1 covers Haney's experience through Final Fantasy VII. Season 2, which is out now, is covering Chris's first experience through The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. I also deeply trust this podcast because once Haney traded me Super Mario Sunshine when I was looking for GameCube games, and anyone that would part with the most innovative Mario game ever is a very good person in my book, just for me. You can find all of their socials and contact info at firstencounterpodcast.com, but you can listen to it on any and all podcast platforms you would ever want. That is First Encounter. It's a podcast of video games and friendship. You should listen to it. We are also sponsored this week by Inked Gaming. Are you looking for a top-notch, one-stop shop that supplies you with all the premium gaming gear you need? Well, our sponsor, Inked Gaming, is one of the best in the biz. With a full collection of playmats, mousepads, and more, Inked Gaming gives you a wide selection of high-quality gear that can be customized and personalized just for you. So, if you have a favorite art, design, pattern, or personal logo that you want to show off during your streams or games, Inked will be happy to print it for you. They also have a growing community of gifted, independent artists who provide pre-designed art for their products, and these artists receive a commission for every item that's sold with their designs featured on them. They've been in business for 11 years, and they hope to continue for another 111 years. Having Inked Gaming as a sponsor also means that we're going to give you some special access to perks that Games and Feelings audience get because you all are all special. So just head to inkedgaming.com slash gamesandfeelings, and if you see something you like, use the promo code gamesandfeelings at checkout for 10% off your order. Go to inkedgaming.com slash gamesandfeelings and use code gamesandfeelings at checkout for 10% off your order. And now, back to the games. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Do you want to do another question? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. This is from uh, the a Frank, who is uh, they pronouns. Um, I made a mistake. I created an emotionless, stoic character for a Dungeons & Dragons campaign intended to go on for many, many years. I love him and his personal story dearly. However, he is very difficult to play in a group. What advice do you have for balancing in-character choices when these choices are anti-party, but no other choice stays true to the character? I'll take this one. Off the bat, I know what the, a solution. The, as we know, the greatest games ever made, Dragon Quest. Does the main character ever speak fucking words no no never uh he has he always has head trauma and he is always just like politely nodding and like i think you gotta lean into it more i think you have to make the character more of a jrpg guy yeah does does the fact that the dragon quest protagonist has no broca's area and fundamentally does not understand (laughs) the concept of language does that hurt him does that cause a problem no everyone is like wow you are my best friend and i am inspired and you are clearly the chosen one who will save the world uh the real answer i feel like to every single tabletop rpg question is uh talk about it with the group just talk about it (laughs) be like hey here's an issue i'm having this what do you guys think yeah it is all after all fake and not real yeah it's just fucking talking and shit like we do uh another podcast shuffle quest where we play rpgs and when i say play rpgs there's huge quotes around that because we found out very quickly (laughs) that what our group actually likes and what actually makes the show fun and listenable uh it's just us kind of riffing and goofing uh and none of us like combat and the combat in the show is the worst part. Like, what do we actually want the system to do? We want it to be so that, like, when the riffs run out, I can be like, ah, so what do I do now? Uh, fucking uh, this. Yeah. And then that seeds a bunch of riffs. Like, I, who cares about the game? I don't care. It's all just like, we know what fucking words to say in our little circle that makes right. us go he 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 and like that's what it all is like the i don't i i have zero respect for any of the game well i have a respect for the games for having been written but like i will cede no authority to them they are a tool i'm using as at my pleasure and so like if they're gonna get in the way of us saying the funny words we like i will simply ignore it I am 100% in on what you're saying, Tom, and I want to address what you're saying, and I want to put a pin in a specific question from Mm -hmm. the Afrank, who who I'm going to now name dot, 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 like everything that Link says uh, in most of the (laughs) Legend of Zelda games, Um, is that I wonder if there's something, people always forget this, that you can just talk to each other about this stuff because they're consuming uh, tabletop RPG media where it seems like everything is perfect on the way that it is. It's like, oh, well, they're making a movie, this media, I'm watching a video or I'm listening to a podcast of them playing and they're just doing it, but they don't like, it's hard to keep in mind that they probably edited out a lot of stuff that you didn't hear or they did it off microphone because you're not hearing it. You're only hearing the polished version of it. So like, do you, as people who also make a a tabletop RPG show, do you forget that you can actually just like talk about stuff, not on the microphone? No, we, we, we're, we're cheaters. Big time. We, we we are (laughs) lying to you. If you think that the show is extemporaneous, you have been tricked. 
You're right, we, exactly. We detest improv. Uh, if it, They should have wrote those jokes before they got on stage. That's my take. <laughs> if you ever feel like, wow, how did they, how did they, like, have that scene work so well? How did they, uh, you know, have that whole arc pay off? It's because I said, all right, folks, what's the next scene? We determine what the next scene is, and then we do it. Occasionally, our little outline will take into account that there will be dice rolls and it won't be exactly this, but we fucking know what we're going to do in advance. And it's more fun. Folks, I think it may be less fun for some groups, but for us, it's more fun. Right. But you just talk you just talk about it and you do the thing that's fun for you, which makes sense. Also, I need to address, Joe, what you said and say upright citizens brigade, more like dishonorable citizens brigade. Fuck you and your improv. Yeah, my understanding is it's a big scam. Uh, I was not cool enough to get scammed firsthand. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. But yeah. The big arts scam that I got suckered into was live lit, which oh boy, it didn't pay off at all, much like how improv doesn't. But it also doesn't cost anything. So, uh, as someone who got scammed in college of into slam poetry, uh, I'm a real fucking idiot, and <laughs> uh, that didn't do anything for me. Uh, that did not turn into literally anything. So at least I have nothing to show for it, <laughs> other than YouTube videos. I don't want to share to anybody else. Oh, of course. You'd yeah. be insane to do it, even if they were good. Even if they were good, I think they were pretty good. We won a bunch of slams, but I don't want to show you a video of it. I'm not make, letting you do that. No. Here's a video. Take this power over me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Okay. <laughs> have you ever seen this? Have you seen this video? This is some someone who's like two or three degrees separated from us post this video every like year or so to remind people and it is a video he took of some sketch group at a festival and he has edited it such that the only thing in the video are the scene transitions between sketch to sketch which should be short uh but what they do is that they do a little dance party to an almost full length pop song they don't do a clip almost the entire thing and they're just dancing between every single sketch and uh This is one show. The video only shows the scene transitions, and it's like 20 minutes long. (laughs) Oh, and you're like, I those are people. Those are real people who are in that video. They're doing something right now. I want to come back to something to what dot 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 said, and I yes. really like the idea. Well, first talk about it, but second, you can be a, a silent anime protagonist. Um, here is, I think, where the issue is. Uh, they give additional context. Uh-huh. We're all given a mission to go to a specific place. I wanted to go one way, and after two hours of discussing it, my character just got up and walked out the front door. It ended up in a party split so deep we were playing two separate games for over a year. Ooh. Here's the issue. You didn't like you didn't have to talk for two hours in character. You could have just been like, hey, this is what my character would do. Can we figure out a way to not split the party? And the other thing I think related to what you said about being an anime protagonist, the silent anime protagonist is also like pretty genial and just kind of vibes because whenever there's an issue, he'll just blast it with a Hadouken or something (laughs) related. Right. Yeah. So I feel like what they're also saying is like they're stoic, but it also seems like they're not genial or agreeable. Um, mm-hmm. If this ha- if this happened, or maybe it was like there was just a disagreement that their stoicism prevented them from in character being able to discuss right uh, deeply. Well, it feels like the the time has passed to prevent this from happening. If they they have had two separate games for a year, but I feel like this is the perfect time to start 
discussing with the and this is the other thing spoiler culture is harmful to good rpgs because you don't want to spoil anything and right. surely there are some surprises you want to keep hidden like but it doesn't fucking matter if people know what's going to happen right. uh, and most of the time so like be like hey we've been playing two separate games for a year let's discuss how my guy gets back with the group and and what the reaction is going to be because like it should this could be like the the fucking where zuko joins the avatar crew and it's like wow they're they're together ah all the build-up has paid off like sure this is regrettable but you can you can turn this into a, a positive by like now we get to have the reuniting and like there's going to be big emotions. Maybe your stoic person finally shows some emotion when they see their friends again. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really wish we had been able to give ad. Did no one bring up after a year? They're like, hey, I don't like splitting the party for a year. Like, did you just have to ignore it for fiction reasons? That's a lot of work for uh, a GM to have. Two planning sessions, basically. Right. And like, what are you going to do? The other people go and watch reruns while you're doing stuff. Um, I, I wish someone had said, hey, let's figure this out and just like time warp forward a year because that's fun. But you could but like someone just needs to say, can we hit the fast yeah. forward button? And yeah. like you can. The only point of playing games is is fun. And I this is what I was saying before is like because the way that you can you you participate in tabletop RPGs outside of the game you play is media where it seems like it's a story and you got to tell a story. But it's like, nah, man, we're not. You don't have to tell a story if you're not have a, if you don't have a microphone in front of you. You're just doing it to be fun. So yeah. if, if you're not having fun, or someone else at this in your party is not having fun, I really wish someone said, "Can we make do something in fiction to make sure that this is fun and yeah. that you get to still play your character?" Because like, wouldn't it be so funny if you walked off on your own and then a year passed and that's one <laughs> to the next session? Like that's uh, yeah. so yeah. funny. That's a good time skip in between that's really good also i i just when you said what's the rest of the players doing when the the other players on their solo mission i had a flashback to when uh in shovel quest we had to introduce a new main party character and we did two sort of prequel episodes that were like introducing her prior to having joined the crew Mm -hmm. and some like well what am i gonna have gwyn and joe do ah I will I will solve my problem of always having too many NPCs to play and I would just write down NPC <laughs> names and like two or three characteristics and I'd be like ah Fia you go into this place and you meet uh and I just like slide a card to Joe and like that guy and then Joe's yeah. that guy. Yeah. Uh that was super fun. That's always fun. It lets the uh lets the other players sort of get nutty. I love that. I I think that there's something about like what is the thing I'm going to do outside of game to facilitate the, the story we're doing, which is like, oh, I'm going to change classes or oh, I'm going to play a new character or oh, we're going to have a time skip. But like you can do that the other way around is like, well, I want to have fun. So what are we going to do in the story to fix that? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to make some other people NPCs or I'm going to do a whole other character. Yeah. Um, I want to ask one more short question. We're because we spent like ten minutes talking about millennial pauses. I think oh, that's. No. <laughs> I think it's enough to to go past our our final segment. I would really love to ask to answer one more question, and I, I really I really like this one, and I wanted to save it for both of you guys because I feel like you're going to give this person a straightforward answer that they're really going to need. This is from a dishonest panda, Hive. 
I primarily GM for Pathfinder, and while trying to tell captivating stories that have satisfying surprises and occasional big plot twists, I have to not just hide the truth, but sometimes flat out lie to my friends. So very similar to what we just talked about, right? I've discovered that I'm both very good at it and much more comfortable lying to my players than any other DM I know. One, how do you justify lying as a DM? But two, how do you apologize to your players afterwards? And three, am I a terrible person? How do you how do you justify lying as a GM? Easily. <laughs> it's showmanship. It's showmanship. It's it's circuits shit, right? Yeah. It's like how do it's it's like you, imagine you're a stage magician and you go backstage and you start crying and like how could I have <laughs> tricked them into thinking I knew where their card was? All those people think I cut that lady in half. <laughs> it's fun like here's how you justify it. Did they like it? Then it's fine. If you're yeah, lying right. to them and they get mad, well, then you got something to, to worry about. And and if you still have this weighing on your conscience, be like, hey, guys, for the purposes of showmanship and, and revealing things that will surprise you, occasionally I will throw in some white lies. If it ever gets to be too much, make sure to let me know. But it's all for the benefit of the fucking group. It, right. Yeah. This is like what we're talking about. It's it's all like, ah, I need to make the perfect story and I need to like, right. uh, I, need, I need to do it the right way. There's no fucking right way. I guarantee that all these shows you're listening to that sound perfect are, are doing the shit we're doing, which is cheating, which is we fucking figure out what was going to happen before. And then we do that. You know why? Because it's fun. <laughs> or they say something that's like 80% there and they just were like, I'm now just going to repeat it correctly yes uh, and they do and then they like the shitty one gets cut out yeah, we yeah, do yeah, that right. and we were dumb right so like when there's other people critical role people are smart they get paid yeah they know like how to get dollars so like i think there is a i don't know what else to call it but like this weird obsession with doing it fresh or right. like live or something as if it's more authentic as if like i don't know if I have to choose between an extemporaneous version of an idea and one where like all the shitty parts were cut out, <laughs> I'm going to go with the second one. Yeah, in fact, right. I would much rather do the second one as a person who makes things. Yeah. I, it has something to do, I think, with like the Im people thinking that like improv skills are the thing you need to rely on. And like that's what makes good games. It's like, no, we're just all messing. We're just all messing around. And like, I really like what y'all said about like justifying is like, no, we're just trying to have a good time. And obviously you're not a bad person and you don't have to apologize if everyone is having a good time. And if someone's not having a good time, they'll tell you and then it's fine. Yeah. And like, obviously, I mean, I, I'm thinking it's very likely that the lies are not stuff like your character's not going to be killed next session by an unavoidable attack. Right. I'm sure it's Playful misdirection. Well, there is a oh well, here's one I did. So this is I did a, a Curse of Strahd session for some homies, including Joe, that mm -hmm. uh, fizzled out halfway through, as most D and D campaigns do. Classic uh, Strahd for the sort of intro thing, the intro like the Death House. I wanted it to be. Uh, I wanted there to be some indication, some real fear. You know, it didn't mm -hmm. actually come across, but I wanted to be like I wanted it to seem as though things could happen. And so like I took one of the players aside, like. Yeah. secret and i'm like hey i know you've built your character please like build a second character that you don't care about and that was the one that they started with so that they could Perfect. be hilariously murdered by strad in front of everybody and then the other guy showed up and was like well all my friends got murdered by strad and then he joined the crew 
that's that's absolutely perfect. Just talk about it. Um, I I want to really address what something that this person said, uh, a dishonest panda. But also, I'm going to say that their name is DM stands for dishonest man. <laughs> which is their actual name that they wrote into this advice show about. Am I a terrible oh. person? I think about this stuff, especially when people talk about like imposter syndrome and how it's like a catch-all term for when people are like, I don't know if I'm good enough about what I'm doing. And then, of course, like they kind of cast it out from there. Is like, yeah. do you know the fact that you care if you're good at the thing you do or that you, you are assessing whether or not lying to your friends, even if it's for fun, is a bad thing? Like- of course you're not. You, if you, mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. worried you're bad at what you do, it means that you're a conscientious person and you're definitely not bad at it because it means you're thinking about it, right? There are so many worse people that are delusional and go out there like they, they are the fucking greatest people in the entire world and lie to themselves and then just barrel forward because that's just they because people are like well this person knows what it is i'm gonna agree with them the fact that you you're concerned that you're not a good person means that you're definitely a good person don't let this weigh on yourself but then don't do the thing that joe said which is lie to their faces about obvious things and then ruin their night you know like you're like you gotta ruin their night at the end of the lie it's, which is not the lie. It's the thing you did by dropping a bunch of rocks on a character that was standing there. As, and especially if you if you follow any RPG Twitter people, yeah. you cannot go a day without seeing some new drama about how some fucking prominent guy was running a game on stream and like dropped in a bunch of fucking assault themes yes. unwarned yeah. about. And it's like, well, I've just, it's just a little bit of an edgy game. And it's like, uh, you didn't fucking clear this with anyone before you bitch. And like, that's the kind of guy who is not thinking about, am I doing this right? Am I a good person? That's the person that's like, well, I'm uh, an expert and I know about uh, mature themes. So I'm telling a very strong story. It's like, no, no, fuck you. Go to hell. Uh, just talk to the people. Just talk to the people. People. It's all talking. See, I said at the beginning, podcasts are just talking. They don't tell you about that in podcast school, but it's just talking. You can talk easily. <laughs> when Ira Glass came to our houses and touched us on the head with his magical wand and said, you're allowed to be a podcaster, he never told us it was just talking. He just said, I, uh, this is what, how it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> he did do that. Um, Man, yeah. If the lie you're telling is there's not going to be sexual assault as a plot point in our game, and then that's what your lie is, then you're a bad person. Yeah. Well, again, but nothing. I I can't think of anything that you would be lying about explicitly. And also, if you're a good liar, congratulations. You're you're a good DM. Good job. Yeah. I mean, the lying is a show as we sort of alluded to. The lying is carny shit. It's like Mm -hmm. carny games, and like that takes skill to do, and also. People like the carnival. <laughs> if there's one thing to take away, people like the carnival. The carnival is a winning brand. <laughs> it's a great place to get a goldfish that dies or to meet a clown. The carnival has been uh, around for over 15 years. Uh, it's, it's clearly a, a keeper. The tilt world definitely works and won't hurt anyone. That's a bad lie. I don't think yeah. that's the lie you're telling. But like, come come see like uh, an amazing freak animal, uh, a magical beast, and then it's just like a rat with some stuff taped to it. It's like, 
It's a lie, but like still pretty cool. I think I taped some stuff to a rat. That's kind of fun. <laughs> I, I like the razzle dazzle you did to this rat. Like I didn't I I didn't think it was a jackalope, but I still applaud what you're doing. It's yeah. pretty I don't even know where you got that grease paint. Like, congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you helping everyone out. I think that we have a lot of new uh, samurai who are going to sit underneath a waterfall and play, uh, slay the spire. And nice. I think we're going to help out a lot of these people. Um, where can people find you on the internet and listen to your wonderful show, Anime Sickos? You listen to it on the fucking... This is a conundrum that I've run into. Where can you find the show? It's like, well... If you're hearing this, you know about podcasts. So, so here, like wherever here is, we're also there. The cool thing to say now is wherever podcasts are heard, right? I think that's like the catch-all casual term. Right, We've yeah. moved past the thing where you say like Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and like eight other things. Can we all go around and say one podcast app that definitely exists that people definitely listen to? No. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Bleezer. Is that one? I don't know. That might be one. Uh, Grooveler. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, that one definitely exists, Joe. You nailed it. Yeah. Uh, earlet. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like Earlet because it remembers where I leave my when I stop. It always remembers where my podcast ends. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we can find us anywhere. If you look at Anime Sickos online, if you look us up, we're the top one. There's no other Anime Sickos. Uh, AnimeSickos.com also. Also, we're Anime Sickos on Twitter. I am Sharia Uncle on Twitter. Basically, I've just been posting lately about 20 minutes till dawn. Hell yeah. Which is a, a nice top-down shooter where you pick your goth and then you pick a gun. Yeah. Uh, and then my cat sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I am Tom Harrison, 19, so named because when I started my account, there were 18 other Tom Harrisons that were on the site. Uh, the first thing I ever did when I was on Twitter, these posts are so far buried. No one saw them. Was I went to Tom Harrison's null through 18 and reported back what they did on Twitter. Most dead <laughs> accounts, some soccer fandom only, others porn accounts. Not that they're posting porn, but it's the account they use to follow and like porn. Got it. Uh, and then the Tom Harrison straight up, like the, the guy who got it originally with no numbers at the end, he seems like a nice guy. He's just like, I like to code. I'm like, that guy's cool. Are you worried that Tom Harrison 14 is Tom Harrison Prime's porn Twitter account? That's not my place to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to pry. No, that's fair. But yeah, that's my, uh, that's my personal account. I mostly... Uh, she replied to infuriating news with like fuck you yeah real constructive stuff uh, <laughs> like uh, maybe eat shit uh, to a news story that's always good I've stopped saying that because there's a account called the eat shit bot that retweets eat shits that oh, uh, no. I always get a notification I'm like I wonder what that is and I'm like oh it's the eat shit bot yeah. Tom only tweets that the carnival's in town and it's a good place to be <laughs> yeah They'll juggle a lot of things. Wow. They're lying, but I love it. It's for my benefit, and I really yeah. appreciate that. 
Uh, well, you can also follow me at L underscore Silvero, E-L underscore S-A-L-V-E-R-O, my name if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler, and you can follow the show at Games and Feelings. It's an N, like linens and things. Nice. The best place to submit questions is to go to our website, gamesandfeelings.com slash questions, and you can always support the show at patreon.com slash gamesandfeelings, where uh, Amanda, my partner, and I answer all of the games questions that have come up on, like, different advice columns over the years so like oh, dear wow. abby is like my my boyfriend chose me his xbox over me should i break up with him and and dear abby's like i don't know what that is and we're enjoying that doing that quite a lot that's the dlc you gotta sign up the patreon for that we really need to talk about advice columns so i didn't know they were all prospector affairs <laughs> <laughs> the oldest of the oldest ones are but now the new ones are some real neo-lib shit you guys are really mm. gonna love that um Ooh. and and you can find the link for everything in the episode description thank you once again to our advice givers tom and joe the anime sickos also you can listen to some episodes of their shows that have had guests from it games and feelings on there casey tony's been on there taylor moore has been on there marquez has been on there mm-hmm. uh, incredible just the the synergy it's perfect wonderful people all those episodes are killers uh, there's no there's no duds on the bunch well, there's there's no duds in the entire show, but those three guest <laughs> guest shows are especially not duds. They're very funny. Notably, not duds says yeah. local podcaster. We're just here <laughs> talking, man. And remember, the instruction manual doesn't have anything to say about feelings. <laughs> <laughs>